0: Thank you for listening to Pod on the Dog. This is episode 32 and it's the last in the series. I'm going to be taking a short break in recording and returning with a new series very soon. Now, this episode is brought to you by Natural Instinct. Now, Natural Instinct is passionate about happy, healthy pets. They understand that a healthy diet plays a huge role in your pet's life and they are solely dedicated to providing their customers and their furry friends with a balanced and complete raw diet that is obviously of the best quality. Oh yeah, Natural Instinct creates the most scrumptious, natural, complete, complementary frozen meals and treats full of goodness and high-value nutrients, offering a no-stress, no-mess way of feeding a raw diet. The food is delivered straight to your door, frozen. All you need to do is defrost it, serve it, and watch your pets enjoy their meal times. Make sure you use code Verity15 for 15% off at the checkout. Now, I'm your host, Verity Harcastle. You can find me at Verity Harcastle on Instagram to follow all the latest shenanigans in Dogdom. Now, for today's episode. I've known this handler and groomer for some time, quite a long time, actually. But weirdly, like some sort of ship in the night, we've never really met properly, only just sort of chatted on socials a little. I do, however, know quite a lot about this guest because obviously I've been stalking his journey online, as you do, from his home decor hacks to his min-pins This is a man of many talents and many passions, keeping hold of the reins at Painton Championship Dog Show. He's also a new member to the UK's first creative artero team. He's handling and training his own show dogs as well as styling out of his salon, Briggsies. There's no denying that he's a very busy man. So I wanted to find out how it all started and what makes, you know, what he likes to do in his downtime if he actually gets any because <laughs> obviously like us groomers and dog owners you know we don't get much downtime so welcome to Chris Briggs
1: hi Chris How does? <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks so much for joining me
1: I'm a pleasure to be here and an absolute honor to be on you last of the series
0: yeah yeah I know I'm gonna because obviously I roll these out every week it's quite a lot of work organizing and
1: like I've got the diff- <laughs> we're,
0: we're ending on a high <laughs> oh lovely so let's dive straight in I want you to tell me your journey like how did it all start and what came first was it the showing or the grooming
1: I it's I won't go into major detail but I left home at 15 mm-hmm. um work at racing greyhound racing kennels one of the more ethical kennels. We had a rescue section and everything, so it wasn't. Oh, present. good
0: to know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so, but from there, I didn't. I didn't work there incredibly long because it wasn't really what I wanted to get into. And it was, you know, there were there were aspects of welfare that could have been majorly improved within that industry. Um, so from there, I went to work at show kennels, um, and I worked for a lady called Pam Wellstead, and she had Norfolk Terriers and Wirehead Vizslas um she taught me to strip and you know scissor and stuff like that um if, if I don't know if you get what I mean by this verity, but from a show person's point of view if you know what I mean so it wasn't wasn't as finely Oh, yeah I was
0: just about to say you'll have a great understanding of the shape and you know what you're trying to achieve with maintaining that sort of coat but you don't get that sort of that nitpicky one. attention to detail that you get as a groomer right
1: so then that was, in, that was when I lived in Portsmouth, and then I moved to Devon, and I got a job in a vets as a groomer. Um, and back then, I, I, you'll probably remember the old 775 and um, how difficult that was to get into. Um, so I did a new qualification at the time, and it was an advanced level of an NVQ for mm-hmm. Dog. I went down to Sue St. Marefork, a former groomer of the year, I think, she was one of the founder members for the British Groom Association at the time. Um, so I went down to her and did this qualification um, and that's kind of where it snowballed really um, and then we got our our first show dog um, between me and Mark. I had a show dog when I was fourteen, a Doberman, um, but I think our greatest success was her tripping me over in the ring. That was
0: it, so. <laughs> I can tell you some terrible stories about me trying to show Dobermans. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um yeah we didn't have a lot of success me and chelsea but you know we, we had fun while we did it and then when i met mark he was absolutely so averse to having anything that came above his knee um you know i just looked at the minpin i thought that's as close as two as i'm getting um so we went and got a minpin
0: i know and they look pretty awesome together i always quite fancied a minpin when i had davies because i just thought it was just quite hilarious <laughs> Puppies, you know so, <laughs> little yeah. and
1: large
0: yeah so who was your first dog then or, or like your first dog memory
1: Memory would be a collie my parents bought me when I was about seven um I think I badgered them and pestered them and gone on and on and on and on until they gave in and brought me a, a 50 quid collie out the back of the paper you know mm. um that was patch and then um I had a boxer after that and then the dope so oh, amazing we've had dogs in, in our lives since we were little so
0: um always but, big dogs though so quite a transition going from you know a collie a boxer and adobe to having these little min pins
1: most you know they're real they're proper proper little dogs you know there's nothing weedy about them or you know i can to take one rat in you know he used to, he was like a champion ratter um <laughs> he was, and I always say to me, if you don't, if you want a soft toy dog, don't get them in. you know, because they will go out and they will catch things and bring them in, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're, not, they're not like pugs or Japanese chins, you know. They say
0: they've got the Manchester Terrier in them, though, right?
1: Well, yeah, they've got a very terrier temperament. They're, they were actually, back a long, long time ago, they were actually one breed, the Schnauzer and the Pinscher,
0: mm. um,
1: were only defined by coat um, texture. So oh,
0: okay. you
1: mix a smooth and a, and a wire hair together. They used to breed, you know, interbreed. Um, so they've got that real schnauzer oh, right. you know, temperament. Um, yeah, yeah, you
0: find that a lot with the terriers, didn't you? That, you know, when you have a look at how the terriers were later split down into categories before, they were just sort of defined by their colour or their coat texture, weren't they?
1: That's it, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Like with most things in, in Germany, they are split by coat, coat type. Um, Dax, um you've got the german pointers three mm-hmm. right um, mm-hmm. there you know so um i think it's i think it's that german side to it you know <laughs> yeah,
0: say yeah. That. <laughs> 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 so obviously slightly bizarre world that we both actually really enjoy the dog showing one i know obviously we both love it but how did you get into it then was it chelsea did you say was her name
1: it was actually really through Pam Wellstead that um, I got introduced to it. Um, I bought pet really, and then when I started working with Pam, I mean the first time I handled a dog at craft, mm. uh, qualified a, a white head visitor, um, and she had I had one in one class, and she said, we well, take that." <laughs> that was my thrown in the it.
0: deep end on the green carpet.
1: <laughs> I only trotted up, fed it chicken, and trotted it up and down, but and that was it. But um you know i was really thrown in at the deep end but after doing that and being surrounded by um some of the most genuine loving people in dog mm-hmm. show saved my bacon some of them um you know Pam which we we had to work the day because it was a quarantine panel so um on christmas day we went up there mm-hmm. they're all a little bit wasted strays like to collect us um, but, you know, Christmas Day would go up there, the fire would be roaring in this 400 year old farmhouse. People yeah. um, laid on everything, people we'll have a present, you know. Um, people like her through dog showing, you know, and like my mentor in Mimpins, Pat Power, um, she taught me so much and I, she wanted to give me that information, you know, it was important to her that someone carried on. Values, if you like, um, you know, and she taught me so much about dogs. Um, but it's people like that that got me into it and kept me in it, you know, you know, if you know, if you get my drift,
0: totally. I think that it really prickles my spine when you hear people who aren't really heavily involved in the dog showing world speak so derogatory about about the people who are involved in it, like the lady that you mentioned. because.
1: I mean, there's the there's, only,
0: expi- obviously I know that there's going to be bad pockets. Of course. You know, yeah. There's bad pockets of any industry, but from what the people I know and the people that I'm surrounded by, that it's the sheer love and dedication to their breed, the welfare of the breed, the caring, you know, not just aesthetically, but genetically as well, you know, that's so important.
1: You know, I mean, you've, you've, you've had mentors, great mentors in Poodles, um, mm-hmm. It's that want to be able to, and, and it's something that I hold core is I want to pass on my knowledge to somebody, um, and you know you you can't ever do it, do that regrettingly. That you have to do it wholeheartedly because even if they do, they don't want to talk to you anymore, and they've you know they've gleaned everything they had of you. If they put into practice what you've taught them, mm. the affected bru- as far as I'm concerned, and that was sort of the sort of thing, the sort of values Pat had as well
0: yeah that's great, and also sometimes you have a look at the numbers that shows and when they're going down dramatically, we need to keep encouraging people to be handling these beautiful dogs, breeding these quality dogs and you know and getting them out there and having fun with them
1: i mean we're it is very we're, there's a very similar thing going on in farming at the moment, and we've lost so many heritage breeds um in this country um mm. sheep you know and it will happen to dogs as well um unless we start to encourage really start to encourage people back to the hobby um we need to make it look fun and young and you know it's for all ages but it definitely can't come across as stuffy anymore um you know it's got to be a really cool thing you can do with your dog um we're in a really unique position at Painton because um you know we're we're a totally young committee we've got um, real experience at the top table um, but we've we're able to put in stuff now um, to secure a future for our show um, try and attract people back to dog shows when they see it as a curio they need, it needs to be a public curiosity again mm-hmm. um, suffered so badly with bad press but now's the time to you know get, get back to it and, and really try and get these rings fill again yeah it's- yeah our British breeds as well. It's really important.
0: Yeah, you're right. And um, and I've actually read a lot as well, you know, down this, what you were saying about, you know, even our native cattle breeds, because we've brought in these American lines that can yield much higher milk and, and, and carry a lot better meat that we've lost these beautiful native breeds that we used to see in our fields. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, and it, and it will happen with dogs. As dogs, as our lives evolve and dogs goes out the window. I mean, 90% of dog ownership now is purely for pet purposes. Mm. I mean, few people now work in dogs, mm. you know, trials. there's so many facets to dog ownership and so many activities you can do. But the original purpose for dogs, that, that is dwindling. You know, I mean, we've got so few uh, dual champions in breeds now as well. So few people work and show. Um, you know, I think it, it's really important that we keep in mind, especially with grooming as well, a dog's original function. Mm. Like that's so important, um, and that's—I mean—some dogs are trimmed exclusively for the way they do their job, um, and I don't think that's really been held core in grooming. I think we've we've kind of lost our way a little bit. It, it, the th- two things have taken separate—you know—forms. <laughs> yeah desperate to bring him back together because really dog grooming was born from pedigree dogs you know that's that's where its origins were i mean years ago you didn't have a dog salon did you have a poodle parlor
0: yes exactly yeah that's true they were only known as poodle parlors weren't they yeah,
1: yeah. so and now
0: yeah. now now somebody would um how middle class to go get your labrador washed
1: <laughs> chelsea bums and all that <laughs>
0: And I still love educating my friends and family on why poodles look the way they look, because people still think it's ridiculous.
1: That's it, but, you know, it had a function at the time, you know. Um, It might
0: have, you know, strayed slightly from the original, (laughs) the original aesthetic, but the principles are still there, aren't they?
1: The the placement
0: of the rosettes and you, you name
1: it. The presentation's changed, and I'm all for that as long as the breed's coat is shown. As Mm. you know, know, presentation should, I think we owe it to the dogs now to present as best we can. You know, and if 1950s photos, um, it leaves a bit to be desired sometimes, doesn't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I just love looking back at the old photos and just, you know. The, they've definitely the styling's changed so much, hasn't it? Just so, so much. Especially I've, on this uh, one of these episodes before, we were laughing at you know how the poodles were dripping with coat in between the legs, and there wasn't that much on the top, and now it seems to have all gone up.
1: <laughs> As, you know, I, I remember seeing photo of, of I think it was called Malibu the Nobleman, and you know he was right down here, you know, and and not much up, you know, just like you said, Jess. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, 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 it did make them, I do do think they look a a lot better for their new elegant styling, don't they?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely creates a much better better picture overall, I think. Mm,
0: mm. Now, I often get asked um, how you go about showing a dog, and I'm sure you do too. Obviously, for the layman, a bit like you were saying, it looks like we're just trotting around a green carpet with a bit of chicken in our hand but obviously you know as as well as i do that it's a lot more in depth especially you know the little changes between breed to breed as well so obviously we know it's not just prancing around a ring but what advice do you give to anyone wanting to start out trying to show a dog and trying to encourage this new generation
1: Um, obviously it's 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 tricky we've got to try and get people right before they buy the puppy so that we can direct them into where to get the best puppy possible you know it's not buying a puppy out of the paper and then taking it to a dog show there's way more that you have to buy them from um you know that they're going to give you the best and and stuff like that so you must go to a top breeder really um someone that's dedicated a long time to their bloodline um I'm not saying that a person's first litter, you know, won't have quality in, but I would, I would, I would breed a breeder of 35 years to get my first nymph Um, and, and with that dog came 35 years of experience as well. Um, so when you've got the dog, if you, you know, um, then find a ring craft class. Um, there's private ones. Now there's a couple, Liz Dunhill runs one, Michael Craig. Um, I think David Alcorn does up in Scotland. Um, but find try and find a mentor that was, again, at the, to- at the top of their game. Um, normally, you can find someone in Ringcraft, at Ringcraft, you know, that's got, amount, you know, years and years of experience, um, you know, and, and try and form a social bond with these people um, because they're the ones that are going to help you, you know. They're, they're the ones that are going to guide you. Um, I, they say it takes a village to raise a child. I always say it takes a village to raise a show as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, but, to you know everyone plays their little part um and so does your ring craft club um you know they might just spot something they might not be in the breed but they might just spot something that you could do slightly better or maybe the dog was pacing you know and you haven't seen it but it's it's it took me
0: ages to even understand what buddy pacing was chris i was like what (laughs) now
1: best in show ring before, you know, and they'll come out of the ring and everyone's like, oh my God, he was pace! I didn't feel it. You
0: know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like somehow you're meant to miraculously feel it at the end of the lead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, only experience will make a great handler. Um, you know, so it's just getting out there, doing it, starting with map nights, um, limit shows, open shows. Um, a lot of people just go bang, smack for the champ shows now, you know, the big, you know, qualify for crafts and all that. Yeah. But, People don't realise you can qualify at agricultural shows now. Um, you can qualify at breed club open shows. There's plenty of ways to qualify. But I, I started off, I, you know, I started off getting a, ch- a lead chucked at me at crafts. Um, but had I not been to those match nights and stuff like that and dog training, I would not have had a clue. Mm. Um, definitely get the support of your local dog club um, and also the person you got the dog from. Yeah. Uh, that's, they're always keen for their own breeding to do well um I always get a lot of satisfaction from if someone's bought a dog from me um and they win with it I almost get more satisfaction from that than if I do win myself you know because it's someone else has done well in my breeding you know and that, that's a really lovely feeling
0: yeah definitely I think um the problem with today is that everybody wants everything yesterday and when you're going to breeders like you're talking about you have to be patient. You have to wait for a dog. I know my first show dog. I I waited for a for I don't know, maybe like 2 years.
1: Uh, people need to start thinking of dog shows. like it's all it's like a career a career type hobby. It's something you can might do for 40 years of your life. Um you know, but it you have to look at it like it's not going to be instant. Yeah. Um, uh, we were lucky we had champions early on but we still had to go through the process of um, you know sourcing the bitch and you know getting the right bloodlines and, and stuff like that it it was it was difficult to start off with
0: um, and then and then with certain breeds as well you have to learn how to groom them yourself as well don't you? which you know
1: you know I mean you know from your breed how difficult that can be you know
0: yeah I think I think you know when you've got somebody who's wanting to get it like a wire-haired fox terrier. They've got to understand how to maintain that coat for the show ring because
1: that's, yes. that's where the breeder will come in, in handy. But, um, you know, all, all, there's a lot of groomers now that are, are focusing more on pedigree dogs, um, you know, so they do have shape in mind. I, I've got a little network of people up and down the country that I can sort of send most dogs to. You know, if I've got a friend up in Berkshire, I know that I can send them a certain place. Mm. So if I Harrogate, I know where I'd send it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's got a network of people, but there is there is ways round the grooming, but it is always best to learn yourself.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know with uh, my Ringcraft, I I do, who did I I think I met her at Ringcraft rather than at the, the shows, maybe both. Um, but I met Liz Holmes she went to my ringcraft, which obviously I started going to, I don't yeah. know, like 13 years ago. And uh, when I got my first miniature poodle yeah. and she was just so lovely. And then weirdly, our ring craft, we seem to have like a bit of a poodle community because we all seem to, uh, you know, attract other poodle people there. And that was just amazing. I remember them, you know, sticking my dog on the table and being like, Right, you, you need to rebound differently. This isn't doing any, you know, anything for this dog's face shape and just learning all these little things that come with you know
1: I think sometimes decades you, it,
0: of, of experience.
1: I mean you sometimes having it poured onto you can feel brutal.
0: Oh, I don't care. I mean you, you know, sometimes these I'm not talking about Liz, obviously. I know you're very young and lovely, um, but you know people here have definitely been in it a long time. <laughs> they yeah. they are they are ruthless. They're like no holds barred. Just tell you if your dog, you, you know, I've laughed about this before. I've would presented one of my dogs, and I'm like, oh gosh, I think it looks really good, and they'll just rip it down. <laughs> oh no, I'm like, okay, but that. Do you know what? I do. I don't let it bother me. I take it on the chin, and I learn from it.
1: If you I think you get to understand when it's genuine, you know, and it's a love and they want you to do better. Um instead of they're trying to knock your confidence. Definitely think you get a sense of that over time. But most of the time people do want you to do succeed and they want they might want you to do it their way. Um, but you know, that's up to you to decide, isn't it?
0: I don't know if you've ever had this from anybody who's ever mentored you, but when you finally turn up at a show and they look at your dog and they're like, Oh, they look—they look quite nice. You take that as like, oh, they look amazing. They actually gave
1: me a compliment. Most people, I think, you probably would be the same. Have got a goal in their head of who they want to win a CC under, and obviously it was my desperate—you know—I was absolutely desperate to win a CC from Pat Power. She was my idol in mimpins mm-hmm. Before I ever did manage to to win a CC under her. But in Belgians, because um, I had have, I have Belgian Shepherds as well, mm-hmm. uh, I've got another mentor, her name's Linda Lester. Um, and she has, I think she's on 64 champions now. Wow. she been for about 35, 40 years. Um, mm. Belgian Tavor, and um, she's won groups at Craft. You know, it, the sky's the limit, you know, it's, it's way up there. And I won a CC under her with my Jolie, and that is in a frame. Um, and I absolutely treasure that. It's one of the, my most prized possessions. And when you look at it, it's a bit of green and white card. Mm. Uh, but
0: Yeah, but how much work went into that green and white card?
1: Well, that's it. I mean, you know, and, mm. and to get one from someone who understands the breed as much as some, someone like Linda does, that is amazing. You know, yeah. that was that was one of my greatest moments, I think. And she won the group at LKA just afterwards as well. So,
0: (laughs) amazing
1: group one. So yeah, we were really thrilled.
0: Wow, what a dog! Obviously, you're bringing on a pumi at the moment, aren't you?
1: Yeah, well, uh, she's nearly two and a half now. So we've been to two shows and it wasn't great. Um, (laughs) Very happy. That's the problem. I mean, she's you Mm. know ears back, you know tails wagging furiously, and I'm like, please pick your ears up, please. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's she's an incredible dog. I mean, she she comes. You're gonna have to
0: get like a little uh, whistle, you know, and just just to get those ears up.
1: <laughs> yeah, on it. I mean, um, the sort of winter and that puts pay to it a bit. But um, we go down the park at least twice a week and try and do a bit of training.
0: I was going to um, ask you. Obviously, I'm trying to bring on a miniature. I've got a four month old man, and I've got poodle. By the way, in case yeah. anyone's wondering. <laughs> And also, I've got a seven-month-old. I think she's still seven months. Uh, toy poodle. Oh, so, any advice for me and the listeners on training for the show ring? How often do you do it? Any tips? Um, my if, to, to interject, my Gigi is like your Me, She's um, she's rarely on any legs, to be honest. And she still mouths me. She's just she's wild. She's full of joy. But
1: yeah. You gotta be be a certain type of temperament to own poodles. I think it's um, <laughs> what
0: are you trying to say. Come on, well, start digging.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we train. I I don't like to think of it as training for the showroom. We just train for life. So you know, my puppies are down the beach. We you know they are. I I train to walk off a lead before I put them on a lead. So. The whole pack goes out. They follow their mum. You know they're darting in and out. We've got some fabulous places down there. It's very secure, by the way. Yeah. Um, sort of stuff. Um, but the, I, I think you know once you've taught a puppy to come back off the lead, it's going to walk anywhere with you on a lead, and I'm never wrong normally. Um, the pins are. I've never had a problem getting a pin going. It's always pulling them back. That's the problem, because you know. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: But well, that's a good. That's that's quite a good problem to have, though. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've been quite blessed, you know, when they're bang on the end of the lead and they're picking it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Right, but I think it's just really about early socialisation. You know, getting them out, um, like you probably take yours out, or, you know, picking up the kids from school is even a good idea, you know? Yeah. All about early socialisation. I think we go training, we tend to go training with the babies, and when they start showing, we stop them. Um, I've never taken a to or craft. Um you know, like once once they've trained and trained them, but it is all about you know learning to cope in situations and stuff like that. I mean, you're expecting this puppy to go and show at the n e c um you know you've got to prepare it for that you've got to, you're preparing your puppy at Windsor, I'll take it somewhere where there's it's in a flight path, you know because it's going no, be
0: oh yeah of course,
1: course like that, you know you've just got to consider, but going to a show shouldn't be any more traumatising for a dog than going for a walk, in my opinion. You know.
0: They've got and they have got to be the sort of dog that's going to really love and thrive in those sorts of environments. Otherwise they're never really gonna make a great show dog if they're gonna shy but, away from or if they're not you know, you've not put in the work so they're not gonna be comfortable in an environment like that.
1: But I definitely think that, you know, just just training them to to cope with life is the best way forward Mm. and work on trying to get them to walk on four feet
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly actually I was really surprised at G when I took her out for her first show I thought she was going to be a maniac because everyone you know my whole family are like yeah I can't show this thing (laughs) you know and I'm like honestly I've been you know when when I can get her focused on her work she will work really well she's like a different dog but just being G in the house she's just nuts like I said to my daughter, I said, Lulu, you've got to stop letting G hang off the bottom of your dress. She's like a piranha, you know, like something out of James Bond hanging on her dress. And my daughter's running away. She's like Batman's cape, like flying behind her. So I said oh. to Lulu, you've got to stop letting her do that. She's like, but mummy, I love it. <laughs> so there's no hope for her. It's
1: with a poodle hanging off the bottom of her skirt. You
0: know? yeah, 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 exactly. She's be really attaching herself to the judge's skirt. <laughs>
1: But uh, we do...
0: It's funny how they understand the working, though, don't they? Because when I did take her to her first show, because I was a bit like, I don't know how she'll be, because she, when she is focused, she can focus. She's still very gregarious, which is great. But she was amazing. She was such a clever girl. Honestly, I couldn't believe the difference in her. She, it's like she knew that it was work time.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the exact balance you want is when they can just switch it on like that in the show ring that's you're to a winner, definitely,
0: yeah, yeah, well, we'll see she's got the next one uh, uh are we at booba, yeah, I think that's the next one in uh, British utility breeds, um so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Now then, how did you better your understanding, obviously, of shape and balance? Because in your photos, you really, un- I do think you really understand shape, symmetry, balance in your groom. So, obviously, we know it's really important. It's not just important as a groom, but it's important for the, you know, showing as well. So, how how do you think you helped yourself understand that?
1: I've, I've met, I've touched on mentors already. So yeah, when, but when I have a new show dog or a dog, I have I'm because i do accept breeds that you know i might not have done lots of mm. um the owner stays and the owner tells me exactly how they want it done oh, uh, the okay l- yeah um i only really let show people say because um, mm. reason for a pet person to stay but the show people they stay with me and you know i'm guided by them um and hopefully you know they really know what they're talking about
0: oh that's such a good idea
1: yeah and that's how i picked up so many different breeds over the years so mm. for instance it sounds daft when you say it because you're putting in all these hours of research for a, a rare breed you might only ever get one um but years ago when i started with this water spaniels i had a lady she came she'd moved over from south africa she had a south african and she wanted him groomed and shown and i said oh yeah, you know thinking that's easy pee. Mm. it was I, from there, I spoke to the dogs breeder Judith Carabas. You might have seen her on Craft. She's the, she had Merlin, the, the water yep, spaniel. Yeah,
0: Merlin. Yeah, famous water spaniel.
1: Got in touch with Judith, and I was totally guided by Judith. You know, and that's how I've got into so many different breeds like that. Is just research by actually doing them. I mean, you know, if someone came with a breed that I haven't done before, I would put that research in, and that's mm-hmm. how you your understanding. Um, and also because I give cc's and mimpins I've had to go through quite a rigorous training process with the kennel club mm. I have had to study um, take 50 points of the dog's dog exam um, to pass for my tickets mm. um, I had to do a lot of research and very formal res- research, you know, um, into anatomy and stuff like that because you can't just go, well, oh, that's his toes or that's his ankle.
0: <laughs> or do what I do sometimes, call them the arms and the legs. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. hey, Brody, dogs don't have arms.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, that's how I've bettered my understanding and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, amazing. Now, um I think that what you were saying is such a great idea by having the, the owner stay there because they'll understand those little parts of their dog that they don't quite love. So they can be your eyes and you're just the craftsman, you know, hiding those
1: faults. I mean, I learned a great deal. I, had, um, I was actually very honoured. I had Martin Ford, who had a very top winning Irish water spaniel bitch at the time. Was well, she still winning that wave. Um, and he drove from Wales to me to have her groomed for Um And he'd never had a ticket or best of breed of crufts before. Um, he came to me and I spent three hours with that man. I'd been grooming water spaniels 10 years, but I doubled my knowledge in that two hours, in that three hours. Wow. Hour. Mm-hmm. The way he guided me and, you know, I mean, all he really wanted me to do was be his pair of scissors.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And all the I- hands
1: by him and we've got and she got best breed uh, at craft fabulous. um be yeah. thrilled but it's just things like that really that that i i that are invaluable to a groomer
0: yeah i remember i think it's a it's a great tip because i remember preparing for the show ring i, I think it was a columbus spaniel we're talking you know maybe nine nine ten years ago now and uh, it was a beautiful dog a hand stripped it. But then I took too much off its hocks, I think, and they—I I think it was its hocks that I'd taken too much off, and he wanted them leaving natural. But he wasn't there to tell me exactly okay. how he wanted, you know, them to be left quite padded. And I'd taken it down. And uh, I remember when he came to pick up the dog, I was—I thought I'd, the dog looked beautiful. I thought I'd done a beautiful job. It was the first thing he noticed, and I was like, "God." I was just so cross with myself because I'd also done what you'd said. Like I thought I'd put loads of the time and the research in and, and, but, you know, I, I did spend like a good, you know, few evenings really studying the breed. And so I thought I was, you know, I, I, I felt like I put a lot of effort in and I thought that I'd done a really good job and it just takes one small thing like that that you just didn't necessarily pick up on.
1: But, but I mean, having that person there to say, mm.
0: um,
1: yeah, no, I want them thick. You know, it's just, and it just saves that. I mean, because if, it also takes away, because the way we work, I, I don't accept any responsibility for dog show placings So you come to me, that's your choice. I don't accept, you know, if, if they don't win, that's not my fault. Yeah. Um, people stay, takes that thing out of it. Oh, well, you took too much off and that was, you know, this is why she only got second.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, 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 exactly. Because
1: everything I do is the person's choice. Mm. You know? But I definitely, definitely would recommend that for pets.
0: <laughs> no, because as well, I think that maybe like uber doggy people understand that they've got to stand and, you know, and do a job and not be cooed over because that's just distracting for everybody.
1: You know, I mean, Martha, you know, I I've, I've stood wave up on the table, of the water spaniel, and she stood there and Martin's going to stand. She's like, boom, like that. And she- <laughs> I and mean, I was like, this is great. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is great. If we only could groom dogs like that all day. <laughs> now, we're continuously developing ourselves in this career, aren't we? But what areas are you focusing on at the moment?
1: Um, I, I don't deviate much really from the pedigree dogs because I, that's really in my heart. You know, I really, I wouldn't really want to push grooming. And, you know, just even if you better your knowledge on how to groom a golden retriever, because the way it's so simple and i i see people you know that on forums oh I love this golden blah, blah blah and they are so simple when they're done correctly um people clipping goldens and stuff like that i think it's insane but the the real the core of it is for me is pedigree dogs and that's that's what i push and i promote um i would like to maybe have a go at creative styling um mm-hmm. I've got a good friend Georgia on my team who could probably help me out with that mm-hmm. um, but that that is an alien to me creative um you know um I think I might like to try it just to say I that I think
0: it's it isn't it isn't though because it's still you' still got to create balance and symmetry the dog's still got to be balanced it's just is it going to be on an extreme you know
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. but I mean you know the, um I love. I love a dog you know I love to keep the, the the function of the dog at the back of my head while I'm doing it you know mm-hmm. um, a water spaniel is from the peat bogs you know so it has to have ringleted curls and stuff you know um, uh, Logotto Ramagnolo are from uh, they, they work mainly in hawthorn marshes you know so yeah. they've got but,
0: they have that density of their coat to protect them
1: then I think I love researching all that and I love learning about all that so I think I don't think I would deviate too much from the pedigree dog stuff. Um, I really love. It. So, if there's any way I could expand on that, um, I would definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, there's uh, hundreds and hundreds of breeds out there to uh, Try and become up. an expert in. So I don't know if you'll we'll, we'll ever stop learning that one, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So if someone's wanting to improve themselves with their handling or their styling, what do you recommend they do for self-improvement? Do you, have you got any tips on that?
1: Um, the the handling side is it's evolving now, the, the dog game, the dog show game. So um, you've got people doing private tuition like that. I would highly recommend that because the people that mm. are doing it are real seasoned pros um, and they know how to get in the dog's head. Um, you know, I've, I like Michael Craig, um, and Michaela dunhill Hall and, um, David Alcorn. You can see they turn, they can just turn a dog on like that. You know, wow. they get, you know, this is up, it's, you know, um, incredible handlers, But if you can get on something like that, I think they run them up and down the country. That's mm. definitely um, a, tr- a a a truer understanding of dogs with all things. So if you really understand your dog, it's purpose, um, you know, where the bits should go, how the bits should move um, and stuff like that. any understanding of that will help you no end. Um, it, it, you need to glean as much knowledge as you can from as many sources as you can. You don't have to always pay for it. You know, you can just rock up at a dog show. You know, they don't cost anything to get in. Sit ringside and watch people. You know, I've learned loads doing that. It probably, yeah. is- I
0: love watching the pros. I do.
1: I mean one of the one of the greatest things about being on painting is the fact that I get to stand in the corner of the group ring and every dog group dog runs up and back to me. It's almost like I'm judging it, you know. It's like is it is it and watching those bits move and taking into account like like the difference between a gun dog and a pastoral movement. Like a pastoral movement, most pastoral breeds work on, you know, flat pasture land. So you don't want them to work too quickly. So you will find, like with the Belgian and the Pumi, a short stride in action. You know, yeah. they, like a gun dog is working over a hevermore. You yeah. know, powerful movement to get over that heavy. You know, it's, it's the little differences like that that um, help understand all these things better.
0: Yeah, you know, that's so interesting. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. You know.
0: And I don't you think though. Sometimes, like anything, it just takes patience and time to hone your eye and understand these things. Because with what we do, it's so multifaceted all the different elements like you were saying, like understanding the movement, understanding the balance, then we've got, you know, we've got to become behaviourists and like tune in with our dog and understand those cues in their sort of looks and their personality. And then we've got to be a groomer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, we've got all these like facets to our to what we do as a job. It's, uh, it's something that I think that we're always trying to, you know, learn, like continuously develop ourselves.
1: I mean, every, every pal, I always see every person I meet as an opportunity to learn something new even if it's something unpleasant about them you know um you know everybody has um you know even if it's just that you don't want to be involved with that person so much you know so just you know everybody's got something you know to pass on I think
0: yeah yeah definitely I totally agree I think that I say to people, just go to these seminars, even if you take one or two things away, I think that, you know, you're learning, you're growing, and that's amazing.
1: That's it, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So if you're having a bad day, which obviously we all do sometimes, how do you snap yourself out of it? How do you cheer yourself up? So basically, what makes you happy?
1: Patient person. (laughs) 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 um, uh, I can lose myself on a dog walk, but I have to be alone. Just me and the dogs. Um, I love that. I love, and we've got these fabulous places around here. Um, Mm. I can just stomp for hours and hours and hours. Um, And, but when I do, I leave my phone at home. Mm. Uh, Uncompactable. It's just me and the dogs. That's me done then. I also, you've seen, I like decorating and stuff like that, making my house look as grand as possible and as little money as possible.
0: I love your new gin cabinet.
1: That's right yeah, my street that for over a year. Um I bought it because I bought a glass one, I loaded it up with alcohol, came home on Christmas Eve and the whole thing had slapped smashed. <laughs> <gasps> so Mark rushed out and bought me this new one and I just it was we were getting just to the point where we were getting the bottles for for Christmas from the clients. I thought now so it took me two days, but I got it I got it done. So <laughs>
0: I love that! I've got. I did one the same. I got. I picked one up cheap at auction, an old display cabinet. Because people don't really want display cabinets anymore. Um, what I mean is, mine's like yours. It's a wooden with like kind of an ornate frame uh, front with glass in the front, but you know, wooden. Um, and I did the same. I turned it into a drinks cabinet.
1: The <laughs> box set freak. Like I can lose months of my life on a box set. Like I started. Um, Game of Thrones, four seasons in. Wow. I think I did that for days on end. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love I love watching telly as well, yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah, when I watch telly though, weirdly, I think because my life's so busy and hectic and not just with the dogs and everything, but until the kids go to bed, it's just like non-stop, like, in my ear, mummy, mummy, mummy. I like just to watch when I've got time to sit down, just something mind-numbing. Like I'm re-watching Friends. <laughs>
1: We watch the golden girls Yeah, and, and like you say it's just nothing really but it's just you can just totally forget everything watching stuff like that so you don't have to think too much do you <laughs>
0: yeah i think just before i go to bed i don't want anything too heavy
1: yeah yeah definitely no i'm with you on that one yeah, yeah. not walking dead or yeah.
0: <laughs> oh chris not for me not for me at all <laughs> <laughs> so, my last question to you: What are your standout, proudest moments?
1: Um, I there's been a few. Um, one of my best days was I. It was about, gonna be about eight or nine years ago. I entered British Dog Grooming Association with a Westie and a Lagotto. Um, I won my Terrier class at the Legotta, uh, with the with uh, the Westie. I won second in Pure Breed Scissor with the Legato. Meanwhile, Mark had headed over to Midland County's champ Show, which was on the same day. And my Jolie, my special dog, got our first CC Best of Breeder and Group 3. <gasps> wow. What a day. Up, adorned with rosettes. I had rosettes. Blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it was a brilliant day. But other than that, I think... Power, power couple. <laughs> you know, it was, it, we were like, yeah, we've you know got this sus. Um, and then... I rocked up at Premier Groom. It was my first ever competition. Um, and I walked in with a water spaniel and everyone went, what's that? No one's ever done one of those before. And I just was so nonchalant, didn't know what was happening at all. Stuck a dog on the table, groomed it, and I won debutant. Wow. and And uh, Groom Team England Special Award. And honestly, if you see the photos, I'm like, I did not know what was going on. Proud punch, yeah. <laughs> It, really- it
0: is really i i would encourage anybody in showing just to just turn up to one because it's totally different isn't it
1: it's it's worlds apart it was you know I, I really really enjoyed my when i competed um you know i didn't i didn't do millions of them but i really loved competing um but it's just i was struggling out to find the dogs you know i've got a couple i'm bringing on um but yeah no i'd love to do more competing now
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. I, I don't know whether, I I, dare I say, I prefer it to showing. And do you know why I think it is? It's because it's more time, you know, with showing you spend all that time preparing your dog and you kind of, you know, you can be in and out, can't you? Whereas grooming is a grooming competition. It's the only time that I will get two hours plus to, Just be completely focused without the distraction of a phone or, you know, being nattered, or mummy, I need a wee or any of this stuff at home. And I just get to go there and just be with my dog and do what I love, which is, you know, styling them.
1: I think it's like it is it's more creative. It's judged on our ability, isn't it? More than, you know, the dog. That's
0: true. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all on me, basically. Whereas, you know, sometimes with showy you, you can just be like, blame, blame it all on the dog, even though probably half of it was my fault.
1: <laughs> it's, only on us, but um, I, it kind of, I I, I think I take criticism much better than I take criticism of my dog, you know. So if you could have done that a bit better, you know, it's like, yeah, all right.
0: You know? Yeah, 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 yeah
1: tells my dog you know tells me my dog's ugly I take that very personally <laughs> <Yeah>. it's <laughs> disgraceful no one should do that <laughs> <laughs> Inter- so
0: <laughs> so now we're at the end of episode 32 I'm going to finish off by asking Chris my quick fire questions so I just want really quick honest answers Christopher and no bull from you okay ready <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dog food of choice four favourite place to walk
1: P Devon
0: number of dogs under your roof
1: six
0: if you were a dog what breed of dog would you be
1: um Pumi loud and highly strong
0: (laughs) with a good set of ears (laughs) (laughs) your favourite holiday destination Vegas, oh, yeah, yeah. Vegas. My brother turns 40 next, you know, not uh, in a fortnight. And uh, although, obviously, we can't, it's not so great now with restrictions and travel, but we're all trying to say, Come on, we just want any excuse to go to Vegas, you
1: know. I like just a different world, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it's mental, isn't it? Your fave breed of dog, what would it be if you had to pick?
1: i'd have to say minpin really Min- miniature pincher you know I've, don't, I've devoted 20 years of my life to them so i'd have to say them
0: yeah definitely and obviously we all love dogs i'll just throw that caveat in there we know that you love dogs but what would be your worst nightmare dog breed to own what could you just not live with
1: anything that carries its saliva from its jowls
0: <laughs> what like <laughs> it's chomping <laughs> on trainer
1: yeah, I mean, it's just it's just one of my things, and I'll, I'll never—I'll just be very quick. But I was stewing in a on the Wales, and a friend walked up behind me. I won't mention any names, and his guddetel shook, and it went and landed on my finger.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am. It was time. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, so anything slobbery? No, not. Good. I love them. I appreciate them, but I don't live with them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've had uh, I've had a few instances of saliva on the face in the salon. You know, doing Saint Bernards, things like that, and they shake, obviously, because you're bathing them. It's going to happen, and it just oh, flies out of the mouth.
1: We'll mention just quickly, my friend Claire Shaw. She has spinoni and she had one shake. It landed in her gin, and she still drank it.
0: Oh, lady! Well, it is gin, you know. Waste not, want not. She's this girl after my own heart. <laughs>
1: Two.
0: <laughs> So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me and Chris Briggs. We'd be delighted if you gave us both a follow on Instagram. Chris can be found at Chris Briggs Dog Breeder, and obviously check out all his latest team artero aren't you? Rounds from the Champ shows. Thank you so much to everybody for listening, and please don't forget to rate and subscribe to Pod on the Dog, and ugly you write a review for me, that'd be amazing because it really helps people to find this podcast and it helps me to bring it back for a new season. A big thank you to Natural Instinct for sponsoring pod on the dog i love their fuss-free way of feeding a completely natural diet their food is frozen for freshness and oh so convenient and in the background right now i can hear my two-year-old crying so sorry about that you know it's real (laughs) real life head over to the website and apply the code verity15 and try natural instinct today back on duty this mummy is so
1: that's a bye from us bye